a prayer practice right now that I'm engaging in is uh, called Imaginative Contemplation by Sarah, Sarah, Mary Beth Heatwell Moore. She is a pastor in the area uh, between seminary and her next assignment, but I've been telling her I think this is her next assignment. She's adapted Ignatian Contemplation created by St. Ignatius as a way to read and pray through scripture. So every time we gather, which is on Zoom, Mary Beth gives some context of the scripture, reads it a couple of times slowly, sometimes offers questions for us to enter into our imagination, creating a scene, the scene that is uh, written for us in the scripture, inviting us to place ourselves in it and then pay attention to how we experience it with a 10-minute period of silence in which we are invited into a colloquy, which is a conversation with God. And then we come back together and we end our time sharing our thoughts, the insights, the questions and the experience that we had. This has been a way for me to engage scripture, allowing the stories to come alive in the spaces between the black letters and the white. The sights, the sounds, the emotions, and sometimes even smells of the created picture become a part of the experience. So as I entered into the story this morning with Abram and Sarai, before their names were changed to Abraham and Sarah, these spaces of imagination opened up for me. The biblical text is fairly brief and jumps over a lot of detail that could have been added, but for whatever reason, the author felt that it wasn't necessary. So this text is fairly straightforward in God's invitation and blessing, followed by Abram's response. But before we go any further, I want to lay a little groundwork or a little background to today's story. So in Genesis, the first 11 chapters focuses on addressing all of humanity. There is the creation account and the growth of humans in number. There are multiple lists of genealogies, the flood narrative and the Tower of Babel. And the flood narrative that we looked at last week made evident God's covenant love to all of humanity. So chapter 12, which our scripture begins today, initiates a shift. God interacts with one family, initiating a call to a people that would carry what we have come to know as the priestly function to humanity. God speaks and acts directly with Abram, calling him to leave his family and home in order to be a blessing to the nations. 
There is a particular movement here that struck me as I was sitting with this passage, a flow, if you will, of a direct personal encounter with God, reception of God's blessing, and then becoming a blessing to others. And so we're going to walk through that flow together. So the first movement was this covenantal love embodied in a personal call. God's call wasn't broadcast and then waited to see who would catch it and then answer. It was specifically to Abram and Sarai. Some scholars ask the question, and perhaps you have too, why did God choose them? There aren't very many details given. The author doesn't seem to highlight any particular reason. And for all that we know, Abram and Sarai were ordinary people. What we do know are some of the experiences that preceded this call, which again are briefly stated, but I think are noteworthy in providing context for for this call. Abram's brothers uh, lived in Ur with his his father, and there were three of them. Uh, Abram's one brother, Haran, which you have heard and we'll get to in just a second, is a place name as well. But his brother Haran died in Ur, leaving his son Lot, Milcah, and Iscah fatherless. At some point, Abram and Sarai were married, as well as the other brother, Nahor. Nahor was married to his niece, Milcah, which was the daughter of the brother Haran, and Abram to Sarai. And at this point, it's already noted that Sarai was barren. She was childless. Terah, their father, decided to move from Ur to Canaan with Abram, Sarai, and Lot. And so they left, and on their way, they came to Haran, a sharing of the son's name and a placeholder, or a place. And they ended up settling there. And it was in Haran that Terah died. So these two, all of this is lumped into two paragraphs before the ch- chapter 12. And so they jump through a lifetime of details. Perhaps it gives us a tiny glimpse into what formed Abram. Certainly profound grief, barrenness, and experience of moving already from what he knew of as home at the time. So when we get to chapter 12, God speaks to Abram, giving a personal call. As one commentator puts it, God seems here to be working with a stripped-down version of the mid-20th century psychologist Abram Maslow's hierarchy of needs, covering safety, belonging, and esteem, self-actualization in this promised blessing. So we don't know exactly when this call came, but perhaps being fatherless, and childless 
and hearing how this blessing would meet their needs opened him to this direct invitation to answer and call home, call a, go to a new home, enter into a new purpose with the promise of descendants that would be as numerous as a nation. So this blessing was personal, but it was also bigger than Abram and Sarah. God's call is to be a blessing to those around them, offering an example of a people in relationship with God. This blessing was to flow from God to people, to the family, and all around the world. And this sounds very familiar with a passage we heard read from Jesus, giving a call in Matthew 28 to make disciples of all nations. This blessing wasn't for the elite few or one family in particular or one nation. It was for the benefit of all. The only way this blessing is and was possible was because God was covenanting with this family. God, in the uh, flood narrative, had covenanted with humanity in love. God here is covenanting with this family. And Abram marked it as, with an altar. Through God's reaching out, Abram in turn acts in faith taking Sarai and Lot, all their possessions, livestock, and all they had acquired, and began the journey. This covenant was remembered for generations to come and was returned to as a clear marker in the shaping of a people within the salvation story. Now, did this blessing keep Abram and Sarah from experiencing the challenges of life? And as many of our biblical stories do witness, it did not. Clearly not, for they go on to experience a famine and leave as refugees to Egypt, where Sarah endured Abram's plan to lie about their marriage, and as a result, she was taken into Pharaoh's house as a wife. There was family discord with Lot. And then there was their plan to use Sarai's slave Hagar to build Abram's descendants because God's plan wasn't coming to fruition in a timely manner. So, yes, they had their challenges, believing that God was going to fulfill this promise. Through God's grace, the flow of blessing continued. A rock cairn has become a meaningful symbol to me on my journey of faith. An altar that Abram built in this story is a symbol of his faith, an act of honor and worship to God who was offering in love this blessing for a hope and a future. On a trail, cairns are often built 
along the way to signal that one is on the right path. And in some instances, it is offered to provide the path when it, doesn't, when it is not uh, clear. It's also a signal that the trail has been passed by many before and trusts that many will come after that would like to use that marker. When we make a personal decision to step on into this path of faith, as Abram and Sarai decided, we enter into this flow of God's blessing, which is personal, bigger than ourselves, but grounded in God's commitment to be with and to love all people. To close, I would, I'd like to invite you to do a little faith imagination exercise with me. You may close your eyes, or if it's helpful to look at the picture, you may uh, contemplate on that scene, or outside, or a soft gaze in front of you. I invite you to imagine a stream of people of faith that stretches all the way back to Abram and Sarai. This stream includes people of whom you have only heard stories of. It includes people that you know and that you don't know, that are seen and unseen. Listen to what it sounds like. What stories are they telling? What does it feel like to be in their presence? Perhaps notice where God is in the midst of the people. Where do you place yourself in relation to this stream? What personal invitation might be bubbling up in you as you encounter this stream of God's everlasting love and blessing? Divine creator, giver of blessing, we are in awe of the ways you use ordinary people with whom you co-labor to bring about your blessing of grace and love to all. Open our eyes and ears to the invitation you have for us as individuals, 
and a community. To step into the stream of faith where your blessing flows through us to the world. Amen.